Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. to the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong my name is alex and i am joined as always by my co-host cohort and comrade shout out to kevin man on the attitude era podcast julio julio how are you doing today uh deeply deeply saddened and Sad. a little bit offended by uh the movie we just watched well when you get into the realm of politics it's pretty easy to get offended especially in this day and age i know i should know better but still i just i don't know it's it's really like i come into these movies expecting to be uh to be proven wrong about the Rotten Tomatoes uh, conundrum, and yet every time I just get slapped down. Well, you know, like the last episode we have, sometimes, you know, it helps to buck the system, but when you see what the system praises in this instance, it's just rather frustrating. Yes, and again, it's just it's just sad. We're, we're closing the year. We're, we're getting close to the end of the year, and it's just... I wish there was something more uplifting going on uh, in, in our show, but nevertheless... So Julio and I are gathered this evening in my bedroom because our usual recording space has been occupied for the time being. TMI, Alex. (laughs) And we're here to talk about Dave, the 1993 Oscar-nominated Rotten Tomatoes Dominator that stands at a towering 94%. Stars Kevin Kline and Sigourney Weaver. It's a tale of happenstance and, um, I guess, disguise, but a lot of people loved it, but... I don't know. It, it's what some uh, would call a perversion of Frank Capra's dream, but not <laughs> these people, starting with John Wait, Ferguson. Hold on. Was that an analogy to uh, American president right there? Uh, no, no, not even. But, Un- uh, but I can see the parallels, too. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, let's start with John Ferguson from Radio Times, who says, A delightful, gentle satire on the Washington political scene. Just delightful. Uh, Stephen Hunter from the Baltimore Sun says, Reitman keeps coming up with bouncy new directions to take the somewhat predictable material, greatly helped by Klein's bounce. Michael H. Price from Fort Worth Business Press says, Darn near the second coming of Copra in Reitman's account of common decency under siege by political treacheries. Uh, Frederick and Marianne Broussat from Spirituality and Practice. I was about to say, like, oh, so they write the review together? They're like a couple? <laughs> in, yeah, Spirituality. Um, they say, this film is a delightful social fable which celebrates the Good Samaritan idealism of an ordinary citizen who actually makes a difference in Washington. All these people were very, very inspired by it. And we close with Jeff Shannon from the Seattle Times who Wonders. Uh, It's impossible to say whether Dave will play as wonderfully over the decades as it does right now, but this smooth as silk comedy could not be more timely or connect more hopefully with our current national consciousness. When was that? Uh, I don't know. You're the the information man. When did that come out? No, when was that review? Oh, I don't know. I mean, whenever it came out, I'm assuming. He's talking about it like he just saw it. Uh, let me click on the link and make our life more complicated. <laughs> Times weren't too bad in, in the 90s. In the mid-90s. Uh, who was, I mean, are you talking about Clinton? Is that like 
or is it Bush? I was just thinking of the the climate at the time. I well, mean, because Clinton's whole thing, very much like uh, Dave here, is his portrayal of Bill Mitchell. Clinton's whole thing was he got by with a lot because he was such a likable guy. Right, but what I'm assuming is like if you're like if you're a Republican and there's a Democrat president, then you're like times suck. And if you're a, <laughs> a Democrat and a Republican is in office, then you're like uh, you know times suck anyway. Uh, it's not gonna load. It's done. It's done. Well, we uh, we failed. Jeff Shannon, if you're listening, if you still work for the Seattle Times, even if you don't, I guess you could still tell us when did you write this review? <laughs> Do no. you still feel the same way about Dave? Do you think that it's it it continues to uh, be as relevant as it was back whenever you wrote this? Let us know. Dave begins. It's the tale of President Bill Mitchell, who is played by Kevin Klein. Um, Really not too much established about President Bill Mitchell right off the bat. We just kind of get a shot of him and his disgruntled nature. We see the First Lady is uh, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, he puts up a front for the public and the press in the very beginning of the movie, and as soon as he gets behind closed doors, it looks like he just turns into a huge prick. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, I don't think it's much of a stretch to assume that that's what most presidents are like. Do you really think that Obama is like so happy behind closed doors? I doubt it. <laughs> I think all those all those candid selfies are just, those are all planned. We also get, uh, or we go to a local town. What was that? Like a burger shop? Was it a tire barn? What was that? I thought it was a. Uh, are you talking when we meet like Kevin Klein part yeah. two? I think that was like a uh, a car lot, wasn't he? Like selling okay. cars. Yeah, because he rode in on a pig. It kind of confused me. I didn't know if it was a restaurant <laughs> of some sort. I think that's the movie warning you what kind of logic you're gonna be stuck with for two hours. But we get like our second side of the Harvey Dent here, where we see the other character that Kevin Klein plays, uh, Dave Kovic who is a impersonator. He does an impression of the president, and uh, we see in the crowd Ving Rhames looking very ominous as he's watching this. It's all kind of thrown at you really quickly. Um, and then we find out that uh, Dave is a temp agency staffer. Is that correct? Yeah, that's his real job. He's not you know, opening car lots. When he's not impersonating? The, the president, yeah. Um, and that's actually the movie giving you a second warning of what mm. what you know this is this is gonna be really weird and not gonna make much sense because Ving Rhames with hair it just looks wrong. He looks like he's playing Billy D. Williams. In this he's movie. only about a year off from being Marcellus Wallace as well, so it's it's a big difference. Yeah, it's just really weird. Yeah, so we get the exact opposite side of the coin, whereas Dave, unlike the other character that uh, Klein plays. Bill Mitchell. Dave is a very likable, very approachable, uh, everyone loves him type of guy. He he helps you out. He gives you the shirt off his back. He sings in the streets as he drives past children on his bike, and he uh, shows back up to his apartment to find Ving Rhames, another Secret Service agent there. The story being that the president, Bill Mitchell, is tired of doing his own appearances, and basically he needs um, doppelgangers to do appearances for him, and this, we come to find out this is because he has many affairs that he needs to keep. But yeah, he's uh, so. And they imply they've been doing this for a while because this uh, when when uh, President Klein says they're talking about that, he's like, make sure you find somebody that actually looks like me this time. Yeah. So they've done this before. Yeah. Uh, and nobody's ever noticed apparently because. <laughs> well, and then that right there starts the kind of annoying agenda of the film of like the conspiracies in Hollywood and everything like that. It just it gets pretty preachy off the bat. Is like, can we really trust these politicians? Yeah, well, there's two things the movie's saying. It's like, can we really trust these politicians? And number two, Americans are idiots because mm -hmm. so much go goes on. And I mean, my first note that I wrote down like as we were watching this movie was, I don't buy it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and I could have just written the same note every after every scene. I just don't buy the premise of this movie. It's insane that you would have a man that looks like the president eventually replace the president and nobody notices. It's like a more practical attempt at the mask it feels like. <laughs> it's like these two, you know, same, they're supposed to be the same person but opposite sides of the coin. Uh Ving Rames pretty much informs Dave that, you know, We've got this job for you if you want to come, you know, sir. I think he asks him to serve his country or he says your country needs you or something like that. And so they're going to use Dave to impersonate the president. They're going to do a switcheroo at this banquet and he's only to just walk to the limo and not say a word. This is for uh, Bill Mitchell, the president, to get it on with Miss Laura Linney, who is pretty young in the film. And uh, she pretty, plays pretty underused. Yeah considering she would have a Showtime show based around her just a mere decade later. Um, so she plays Randy, the staffer at the White House. And, yeah, so this is something they've done before, but this time it kind of goes awry. As Dave's impersonating the president, the actual president, Bill Mitchell, has a stroke mid-coitus with Laura Linney. Yes, that was. it was so weird because I chose the worst possible time to go grab a beer. I came back from the beer. Like, I left and they were having sex. I came back and he was he had had a stroke. And he, he was, was motionless. For, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I missed the best part of the movie, apparently. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, again, poor Laura Linney because initially the movie promises you. you it tricks you into thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome because Laura Linney – She's gonna have to like just now she's tango gonna have a, with, with yeah. I thought she was actually gonna like do something after that. No, like, she's literally she's there just to like give the president the stroke via sex, and then like have a couple of, like cameos where she's just confused that he doesn't you know try to make out with her anymore. Yeah, it, that's it. Like such a waste of an awesome actress. What a misogynistic film! It's like all <laughs> that women are good for: are sex and confusing men. Well, yeah, and we'll get into the way that they treat uh, Sigourney Weaver. And that's oh. I, I think that my. My personal theory is that the only reason that Sigourney Weaver's character is not any more misused than it already is in the movie is just because Sigourney Weaver would not put up with that shit. <laughs> Ripley would not take exactly. That shit. Yeah, there there is a line and she she wouldn't cross it. So the head of uh, the ca- the heads of the cabinet, the um, chief of staff in the White House, uh, played by Frank uh, Langella, and we have Kevin Dunn, who I didn't catch his character's name, uh, but he's uh, I'm gonna pretend that he's Ben. Yes, I'm gonna pretend that his name is Ben. I, I missed him like with this big hodl of coffee the entire time. <laughs> yes, but they're basically the ones that run the show, and they're you know in panic mode. And uh, basically, Frank Langella's plan is to become president. Yes, he, he wants to take over. He's the bad guy in this film, and you cannot miss the fact that he's a bad guy no. because there are two things that the movie just hammers into your head for two hours, and one is that Dave is an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. And number two is that Frank Langella is like the worst of the worst. There's yeah. not a single redeeming quality to this guy. So basically the plan they come up with, uh, Kevin Dunn and Frank Langella, is that they are going to get Dave into an extended stay as the president while the real president fights for his life in a bunker underground somewhere. It's not even that. It's worse than that. They have, like, one candy-striped nurse and a just renegade, like, stretcher that he just lays on. But it's even, the worst part is that he's not really fighting for his life. They they know from the very beginning that the prognosis is even if he somehow – the best that can happen is that he remains a vegetable. Yeah, they use that verbiage. They said he's going to be a vegetable. That's exactly. right. Exactly. So there is no – it's not even that, hey, we just need to, like, kill time and eventually this guy will come back. and we'll figure, they, they, They've given up on him. They know there's nothing else to do and – 
it's such a horrible, really disturbing thing that the movie just kind of buries. Yeah. It, it, for the very beginning, it happens in the first ten minutes, and then they put it away and don't bring it up until the very end. And again, it's kind of like with a shrug. So their plan is to get Dave to stay for an extended while, just continue to impersonate the president, and we'll just pass this off. Meanwhile, their plan is to tie up Vice President Nance with they're going to send him to Africa on like a peace mission to make good over there. And while he's gone, they're going to make up this lie of a scandal to make sure that he has to resign and get kicked out of office so that Frank Langella can indisputably take the throne. Yes, they uh, that's it's, it's like Game of Thrones, just with far less death and rape. Yes, it's and a lot more of just black and white morality. There, there's no gray areas. <laughs> Langella bad, Klein good, uh, President Klein bad, fake uh, President Klein good. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a I mean, I guess we don't really get into into the, the actual details of the evil plan here, so. You kind of have to take them at their word that this would just work as flawlessly as it does. See, it's, you know, the this was both of our first time seeing this, correct? Yes, yeah. You watch movies like this and with all the ones we've done, especially some of the ones we've done, um, have done. You, it's such a '90s trope, just like the bad guy explaining, like this is what I'm gonna do, and it's gonna work out perfectly. And then it does. For yeah. most of the movie, it does. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I'm the until he not... slips on a banana peel. At the end. Exactly, <laughs> those damn kids. Uh, yeah, they're. Uh, let's not spoil the identity of uh, the vice president because I'm sure that the movie, the movie kind of plans it as a big reveal mm-hmm. when you finally get to find out. The actor playing the president, even yeah. though they put his name in the credits, he gets the end credit. <laughs> yes, he gets it, but but that makes you like wait for him. You, you're just waiting. Okay, when is this actor gonna show up? And you know he does twenty minutes away from the end of the movie, I think. So Dave agrees, and you know he gets a big hoot and a kick out of it. And this is probably the part of the film that I connected with the most. The rest of the time, I felt just a strong sense of disconnect and also annoyance at the agenda of the film. But you know. Kevin Klein, he's a good actor, and this is the only time they really let him flex his muscles and kind of like he's the kid in the candy store. He's just having a good time, and I, I really did enjoy the sequence of the film. Uh, just, just when he he is like just learning to be president, he's basically. like in the when sitting in the Oval Office in the chair, and like you know sees the bedroom that he gets to stay in. Uh, familiar territory too. Like the sets looked almost identical to those of the American president. So. Yeah, I guess they have the one like White House set in yeah. Hollywood and they just reuse it. But it, it actually works against this movie because maybe it's because we watched the American president recently, but to me it felt so empty. <laughs> uh, Kevin Klein's staff is just basically it's Langella and Dunn. Mm-hmm. Whereas Michael Douglas's staff was like everybody. <laughs> you had like all these actors coming in and out. They all interacted with him. They all had like juicy dialogue. And yeah. here it's just really let Jill and Dunn. I understand they're trying to keep things secret, but you don't even get to see Kevin Klein really interact with anybody else. And in then the they House. only bring in Ving Rames when they need a cheap laugh. Right. <laughs> it's like the joke is Kevin uh, Ving Rames doesn't emote. Yeah. He's just there with his hair and his kind of scowl and, and very monosyllabic answers to any questions. And as I told you, he looks much older with hair than being bald yes i think that there's like like the phoenix he just he was reborn after a bad movie probably this one and then shaved his head and it's like no more and he's like i don't know i was gonna do the does he look like a bitch thing <laughs> <laughs> and then he came back as marcellus wallace and the world was never the same yep uh so 
Langella and Dunn basically force Dave to lie to uh, his employer that he fell in love with a girl and he ran away and he won't be back. It seems like such a there'd be such an easy way to poke holes in that for the people back home. Yeah, I'll I'll give him like there's one thing that kind of works, which is it's actually not his employer. He owns the temp company, mm-hmm. so he's just telling an employee, "Hey, I I met a girl." His and I'm secretary. Leaving. His secretary. And who's yeah. gonna run the joint? I, I, obviously, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but no, I think that the biggest problem is that they are like the luckiest people in the planet because mm-hmm. it, it, and it goes back to me saying just I don't buy this. Not only are they lucky enough to find a guy that one looks like the president, two sounds like the president, three is willing to put <laughs> himself through this for them for no real gain because really, I mean, I guess and, they offer and, him money. And they also don't really explain or nor does he take the time to think of like – I am now the most dangerous and powerful man in the entire world. Yeah, until later in the movie, and I think that that's one thing that could have been interesting, and then they they kind of wasted. But but going back to my list four, he doesn't have any family. Yeah, you know, because you can kind of explain the the work thing. You can say, "Hey, I'm I'm taking a vacation." But what do you tell your parents, your siblings, your kids? At some point in the movie, he he alludes to having been married once, and that's uh, how they think they're just going to write it off as like, "Oh, he doesn't have to tell anybody because he was divorced once." <laughs> right. Everybody, everybody, you know how you choose sides everybody sided with the wife so he doesn't have anybody keeping track of his life anymore his own parents sided with the wife yeah that is there's too much going too much going their way for me to actually Mm -hmm. take this seriously and this leads to the first montage of many in the film of you know him learning everyone's names and learning the different people that sit at the table when they go over the meetings and things like that um I guess it's necessary, but, you know, we were talking about the overuse of montages when we did the American president. And here it's like you you could just do one scene and tell the same thing as opposed to doing a whole montage out of it. Right. Because we are we are smart enough to know that if you if you see him not knowing something and then you cut to like it's called having like subtitles, you mm-hmm. you cut to a different scene where he knows how to do stuff and you just put Three weeks later, mm-hmm. then you're like, I get it. I need to see the montage. But the other thing is, like, what are you telling us? That really anybody can be president? Yeah. You, you just need to be trained for like a couple of weeks? Because it doesn't really, it's not like nobody ages in this montage. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it happens really quickly. He, even if you say, okay, he's a natural, he was a, he was a better actor than we thought, mm-hmm. and, and he's like really smart and whatever. Okay, one, that's another thing that they got really lucky at. They got a guy that's talented, talented enough to just really pick up on how to be the president yeah uh, and two i was like i don't buy it even if he was super talented there's so much are you really telling me that being the president is not that hard <laughs> you can just you can just wing it, it. makes it look like he just kind of walks around all day pretty much he, all he has to do is remember names and learn the very basic structure of government <laughs> it's like oh that's they, right they have the flow chart it's just like, yeah it's like super easy that's something you learn like in college yeah. and uh now that judicial and that stuff do you learn that in, like freshman year of high school well maybe here sir but <laughs> in, in peru if you want to learn about american government then then you have to go to college when you're in high school you're just like the sun is the god and then we all bow to him <laughs> The Peruvian education system explained on the contrarians. Yes. Uh, we finally get a formal introduction to Ellen Mitchell, played by Sigourney Weaver, which I was just mentioning to you, man. Hot. Like, on a Susan Sarandon level, Susan Sarandon level of hot here. She's so good looking that the movie actually makes it a plot point. Mm-hmm. And when she mentions later on that uh, 
one of the, I mean, that's not a big spoiler, but one reasons, the first time that she got an inkling that something wasn't quite right with, with the fake president mm -hmm. was because she caught him looking at her legs. It was like they, they actually had to make it. Her, her physique became part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Which good, good for her yeah. because she really she needs all the help she can get as far as like to get something out of this movie. She's, yeah, she's cause... a great act actress, and I love that first scene when you actually get you know she gets to act. Cause you see her at the very beginning, yeah, just like a, a, in a passing cameo. But then here she gets the first scene, and you could sense like I, that's also part of my notes. I was like. Sigourney Weaver is not putting up with this shit. <laughs> it's like she came in and she's like, hey, guys, let's make a movie. Let's make a real movie. You guys have been fucking around so far. Let's make a real movie. Uh, but unfortunately, there's only so much she can do. I mean, she's yeah. she's tied to a bad script. The first scene that she has here uh, is her just doing a public appearance with uh, Dave, who she still thinks is Bill Mitchell. And obviously, she's furious at him for his uh, affair because... They played the stroke thing off like the president did get sick, but they didn't really explain its severity. But she knew that something was up. Yeah, there, there's, it's a lie on, on several levels. To the general public, they tell them that he had like a minor, like circulation problem. Yeah. Then the people that are closer to the to the president, they tell him that he had a minor stroke, I think. And then and, and then, then to her, they they tell her like a little more, and and because it's not the first time that he's cheated, she just figures out that he was cheating with someone and he yeah. had like a stroke. Uh, but Dave is like just taken aback by her beauty, and but he's told like all, all he, of us, yeah, <laughs> Dave he, is human. Dave is a human. He's told all I can say to her is, uh, I'm, I'm just, I thank you for this, Ellen. That's like all he can say to her. So right. Well, he, that's the only thing that originally he's supposed to say. That when uh -huh. Don and Langella are coaching him, they're like. The president and the first lady, they hardly ever talk. All you have to say is, thank you for doing this, Helen. That's right. And then, of course, that's all he can say when she starts questioning him and, and trying to like yeah. figure out who he was cheating with. After this first encounter, and you can tell that Dave you know, is kind of smitten with uh, Miss Mitchell, this leads to another montage where we see Dave getting kind of more comfortable in the role, and he's starting to have some fun with it. We get a kind of just out of nowhere cameo by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, um, <laughs> who just is kind of there, um, you know. My, we... my first thought was because you mentioned that this is around time also that you get the montage with like all the the real life congressmen and senators. Tommy, that, right? That's throughout the entire movie, right? But I think yeah. this is the first. Time. This is when you told me, "Hey, did you know that those guys are are real senators?" Yeah, and I said no because I didn't grow up here. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, even if in a movie now I saw like real senators, I wouldn't know. Like, <laughs> but. Uh, but no, yeah, that's when you see Arnold, and because you said that, my first thought was like, oh, he's there because he was governor. But no, right? He was not governor then. He was no, still just. Yeah, like, he was. I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't look a little shocked. Like I should know when Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. It was definitely not 1993. I'd just be happy I know that he became governor at some point. I don't even think True Lies had come out yet. How would I? I don't know that. I. I had Terminator 2 come out? Is he yeah, writing? Terminator 2 was 92. So he's riding high on Terminator 2 when he agrees to make a cameo for his friend Ivan Reitman. But I think this was, that, like I said, I think that was just because they did Kindergarten Cop together. Anyway, that's not the point of what we're getting at here. <laughs> but the point is it's a long montage. with a Yeah, long, and he's, long... he's having fun. Arnold's there. He's playing with the dogs out on the lawn of the White House. And we, we get... Uh, the first shot of Ellen looking back at him kind of longingly like, what's going on? Here? Yeah, which is, it's bullshit. It, it's very, another instance of the movie just being insulting altogether. 
she just stood his her ground in the in the previous scene where we saw her. We, she just she just told him how it is. She's like, "This is the last time I do a public appearance with you. Who are you cheating with?" And she even tells him, "Why couldn't you just die with this uh, of a stroke oh, like normal yeah, she people?" Does say that. She's brutal. She's she, and 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 deservedly so because the real Kevin Klein, the real president, he was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So, and then are you telling me that all it takes is to see him rolling around? With some dogs on the grass, and then suddenly she's smiling and looking at him like, "Oh well, maybe, maybe he's a new man now." I told you, man, the Laura Lenny thing. Like this movie doesn't really care for women. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sad. I wonder how they trick Sigourney Weaver into shooting that. They're like, "No, you're not looking at him. You're looking at the dogs." And they they green screen Kevin Kevin Klein. Actually, no, because there is one scene in the movie earlier. We're already past this point. That the one time where you have the two Kevin Kleins together, uh-huh. and it's just such bad special effects. I understand we're spoiled by now because, you know, there's... Bullshit. Terminator 2 was the year before and it still holds up. Okay, well, then it's just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so clear that they're not in the same room. They're face-to-face, but they never touch each other. They kind of do this thing where where President Klein is looking at fake Klein and, you know, looks one way and the other... That old 90s trick where it was like the tennis ball on a stick that they had to move around to, like, know where it was going to be. It's just really bad. Are you telling me he wouldn't, like, touch him? At least just to see, like, is this guy really me? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty bad. But yeah, so the approval rating for uh, President Bill Mitchell goes through the roof as the public perception of him, because Dave is such a good, fun-loving guy, has changed drastically. <laughs> because America just loves a regular guy in the office. <laughs> Again, Bill Clinton. <laughs> yep. First Lady Ellen Mitchell and Dave go to a homeless shelter to do a public appearance, uh, and it's filled with children. Um, and this is like a big moment in the film for Dave Dave Kovic as a he's no longer pretending to be the president this is just a big moment of realization of like the power he has in his hands and everything and this is also where we get the feelings to start to develop between um Dave and Ellen as you know it's there's some chemistry between them and I think Ellen's kind of confused by it because she's a woman and can't think for herself. As right. She's yeah. like, what is this? Why Why am I not angry at him anymore? It, it's also a very meta moment like on, on the scream level at, at this point because – the movie is doing a thing plot-wise, but it's also doing a thing on a more macro level. Plot-wise, they're obviously trying really hard to sell Dave as a good president to the American public in the movie. Mm-hmm. But also, the movie itself is just trying so hard to to sell you Kevin Klein as this like awesome guy, so you can like not think about the fact that he's taking over. From a guy that's that's like a vegetable. So you can't like in a stop bunker. and think of all the laws that are being broken. Right, right. I like, guess like, he's a criminal, but you know he's really he's really nice to kids, and and it doesn't matter. He that knows he's, magic. Right. It doesn't matter the person with absolutely no qualifications is running the country right now. It's okay because you know he plays with the dogs and looks. Sigourney Weaver likes him now, so it's okay. It's all good. It's it's so condescending. It, it's like I said, it's insulting. There's some worry that starts to build with. Um... Some worry starts to build with Langella and Dunn as Dave is refuting a bill that was passed by Bill Mitchell that would destroy the uh, homeless shelters and erase the funding for those. Uh, I think this is mostly fueled by the fact that Ellen gets really mad at him because she still thinks he's Bill and like kind of reads him the rights. Yeah, she storms in while he's taking a shower. I wonder if that is that how it is like in the in the White House that they have that shower that's basically just. Like a square in the middle of the room. <laughs> I like if we can like be real for a second. I would imagine like you're the president. You don't. Well, nobody's gonna walk in on you. I guess he had Ving yeah, Rames up there, but then Ving Rames betrayed him and let 
the first lady in. But you can't, like, I would, I, I don't know, but I would imagine it would be that way because, like, you can't really leave oh, the you, president in a confined space. So you have to keep eyes on him. And that, well, I wish somebody had warned us that we we're going to see some Kevin Klein ass here <laughs> in this movie because it, and it's not just once, like, in passing. It's yeah. just to keep cutting to it. Uh, it was it was distracting. But she storms in on him and reads him the rights for you know oh you destroyed the homeless shelter budget, uh, and Dave you know his morality kicks in and he's like no I'm gonna refute this so he uh, calls in Langella and Don and is like we need to take care of this and they're basically within their rights saying listen you little <laughs> shit you're not even the fucking president you don't t- tell us what to do. Uh, yeah, they make the mistake though of of saying listen if you can find. Another way of saving six hundred and fifty million dollars, mm-hmm. then you can keep the shelter. And he takes that to heart. He does, and it causes dissension because he's like, "Damn it, I'm going to do it." So he calls uh, who we met earlier in the film, just one of his buddies who works in finance. Who he's only other friend. Yeah, I I don't know the actor's name, but he's the dad from Beethoven. That's all I know. I thought I knew him from somewhere, but I'm pretty sure it's not Beethoven. Yeah, um, but he comes in and he asks him to cut the budget. And it's it's kind of a comical scene, just the way it's verbalized and everything. But and then when it actually comes to fruition, you're just like, I don't buy this. Well, yeah, I don't buy this. And I, I resent the implication that just like Joe Schmo that runs like a tiny company that could barely hire the temps that he had, he was sending yeah. him. Now he's going to come in and fix the country. That is bullshit. That yeah. doesn't happen. But yet here he is. They go in and they... They they use the taxpayers' money to have a good meal while they're looking over the budget. Yeah. And, and and Dave is actually pretty upfront about the fact that he has no idea what's going on. That's why he called his friend. Mm-hmm. And his friend's like, "Well, I have some ideas." And then before you know it, they're just they're just slashing the budget like like they can. They're just cutting like God knows what they're cutting out of this. <laughs> right later uh, in the next scene when he's actually doing the cuts and just telling his cabinet about them, it he's just so self righteous that. He kind of bullies everybody into agreeing with him. He does. He does the glare. He like stares at him until you know uh, they agree to it. But yeah, he comes to the, the the meeting with everyone the next day and says, you know, we need to go over the budget. And um, Langella is like, that's not on your agenda today. And like, there's this moment where they have like a stare down. It's like the scene in The Departed where you know Leo's on one phone and Matt Damon's on the other, <laughs> where the tension just builds and builds and builds. Um, yeah, this this is where like. Even I, you know, I try to suspend my disbelief for so many things, but I was just thinking to myself, like this guy who's never been sworn in, who's never had any political experience at all, is like dictating the budget of the biggest country in the world. And it would never happen. Most powerful country like, in the world. Like if if Obama wants to like paint a wall a different color, there is so much opposition and arguing. <laughs> Are you telling me this guy would just walk in and and slash six hundred fifty million? Out of the budget, and nobody would argue at all. Nobody, nothing happens. They applaud him at the end when he's done. It right. was like they do. They good do. job. I was surprised like Bing Rams didn't salute him. <laughs> right. So he restores the funding for the homeless shelters, and you know, obviously, he hopes this pleases Ellen, which it does. That night, she comes to visit him, and um, says, "You know, that reminds me of the thing you did that one time when you were in the Senate." And he's like, "Oh, me too." And she's like, "You were never in the Senate." So she figured it out. She knows that you know that her husband's not that kind-willed, and um, that he wouldn't do something like that. And she basically, I think, at this point, says, "I know a little bit. I just don't know how bad it is." Is that basically the tone of it? Yeah, kind of. She's like, "I don't care for him. We haven't talked in forever. I just want to know where he is." Yeah. 
Which, you know, I think, I, I thoroughly believe that this was Sigourney Weaver taking matters into her own hands and just going up to the director and the screenwriter and going, there is no way that I haven't figured it out by now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, so, you, you know, it's Sigourney Weaver. You can't hire Sigourney Weaver and ask her to play dumb for an entire yeah. movie. It, especially now that she's spending more time with him, she had to figure it out. So, good for her. This was just a year after Alien 3, you know, she supplied this, the will of a strong woman in that, so she needs to do the same here. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case and they had to write this scene specifically for her because the entire tone of the movie does a complete 180. Yes. We go from, like, this comic, whimsical, like, fantasy land to seeing her husband, like, being kept alive by machines. Yeah, she's he's intubated and... Uh... It, there's just this somber. There's no laughter here. <laughs> this is it is a quick Dave, reminder. Dave's of, not charming anyone here. Nope. <laughs> this quick reminder of what happened at the beginning that you had forgotten about. But no, there is a human being here being who's basically he, dead. He's just being kept alive it, by science. Yep. Uh, and it's just uh, there's the guy that's that's a willfully. Uh, participant in this deception is just there sitting or standing right next to her um so naturally she just flees with dave they both leave together like once she sees that he's done she goes to pack her things and i guess somehow through this dave realizes this means he needs to leave too yeah i think that he can tell because it's sigourney weaver that she's not going to keep quiet later on she actually tells him uh, a couple scenes later you know i can't lie about this Mm -hmm. yeah but i think that at the very least, we can give Dave this much credit. He figured it out <laughs> before yeah. she even told him that this is the end. This is the end of the line. So yeah, they sneak out through some secret passage. But yeah, they're both gonna. They're both planning on leaving on their own. But you know, Dave has one last stand. He's like, "Well, this chick's hot, so I'm gonna try to hit on her one more." Pretty time Pretty much because I, I mean, it's Sigourney Weaver. She could go on her own. She doesn't need him to escort her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only does he escort her out of the White House, then he he gets in the car that he's asked the Secret Service to leave there and, and just drives her. I don't know where he's driving her. Home? There's Yeah, they're just going for a ride. We, we will never learn of, of Dave's original plan to hit on <laughs> Sigourney Weaver <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they get pulled over. Yeah, the cops pull him over because he made an illegal left turn and something strikes me about this scene was it was just done in one take and they were like, fuck it, I don't want to shoot this again. <laughs> It was a, uh, this whole section of the movie that's called the Sigourney rewrite. Yeah. Like, listen, just, we have two days to shoot this. It's like blanking on his name, but like the director of Killer Joe and the Exorcist who doesn't like shooting the same scene more than once. Uh, William Friedkin. Yeah. They just, because it's very disjointed and basically the scene is they get pulled over by the cops and the cops think, oh my God, it's the president and the first lady. And then uh, Kevin Klein's like, oh no, it's an act we do. And then they very oddly put together uh, an Annie musical. I think we're on to something with the whole this was all Sigourney Weaver's doing in a way. Because then they punish her. The movie punish her, punishes her. It's like, oh, we had to reshoot this whole thing because of you. Well, now we're going to give you like this horrible <laughs> five-second singing moment. where you Because know, Kevin Klein is singing and mm-hmm. he's doing fine. And, and then at the end, to make it more believable, Sigourney Weaver joins in. And, uh, and it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's a very it's an uncomfortable scene. I think yes. it was played for comedy, but I was just very uncomfortable. You could have taken that out, even if you shot it. I think that the director and the editor could have just like excised that and like, hey, it's Sigourney Weaver. We don't need to put her through this. She's already being a trooper through this movie. Let's take this this terrible moment out. But no, they don't. And then this was the moment where I just not that I hadn't thought about it before, but this was it was just too much. Let's say that I can buy that that. The American 
public and everybody in the world, you know, they're they're okay. They don't notice the switcheroo, but then now you're putting it out in their face. Like yeah. the cops actually, they stop Dave, and then when he steps out of the car, they're like they think he's the president for a moment. So you're acknowledging that he not only does he look like the president, like when you're on camera or something, but no, he in real life he looks like the president. Yeah, right. And then he just he can like explain it away and say, oh no, it's just like we're a troop or whatever. So you just put it on the forefront that this guy, I mean, his disguise as a president is just like it, it, I was thinking of Clark Kent and Superman. Like, yeah. You know, all it takes for him to put the glasses and suddenly he's the president. And then he takes the glasses off and he, like messes up his hair. He's like, oh no, I'm just Kevin Klein. I, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it gets more complicated later on because he's he keeps meeting people that should know the difference. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So they get some sandwiches and go find a park somewhere in Washington, D.C. to eat at, and they have a romantic talk. And basically, Ellen tells Dave, you know, I'm not going to – I can't lie about this. Somehow leads to Dave explaining that he was divorced once. And, uh, you know, the sparks are flying at this point. Um, they return back to the White House. That's all it takes to really charm a woman. You have to impersonate her comatose husband. <laughs> and then let her know that you're divorced. You're yes. single. Yep. So they go back to the White House and the guards at the front gate are stunned, like, oh, my God, how'd the president get out? And then Sigourney Weaver immediately goes back on her word and lies, and she's like, the president <laughs> wanted to get some ice cream. Yeah. Well, she asks him, she tells him, what would you do if you were president for one more day or something? And he's like, I would do a lot of stuff. And then Sigourney Weaver, being the smart one here, she's like, well, then I'm going to use you. <laughs> and this is where the movie really, for me, misses the boat. Or rather highlights where it could have been a more interesting movie. Because if this movie was about Frank Langella and how his plan backfires, but he was the main character, mm -hmm. this would have been awesome. You're following a guy that's kind of shady and, you know, morally complex. He wants to It'd be do... kind of like the Ides of March. Right, right. You know, he he's not all the way bad. He has some good things about him and he, he has this plan to get to power and then he, he picks up this patsy and he has a, a kind of a foolproof plan to to just have this guy kill time until he can become the president. But then this guy falls under the influence of the super hot first lady. <laughs> and now they turn the tables on him. That would be an awesome movie. And it's not a comedy. That is yeah. like directed by George Clooney. <laughs> but no, that's not what happens. We're stuck with like just Kevin Klein, the clown, and, you know, just like all the feel good stuff that happens after this. Yeah, because he basically the next morning puts Langey on the spot and, or excuse me, put. Next morning, he puts Langella on the spot and is like, you need to resign. Uh, or, you know, he tells him you're fired. And um, Bob is his name. Bob Alexander, the chief of staff at the White House. He's like, Bob, you're fired. He's like, you can't fire me. You're fired. And Dave now realizes the power he has because he's been influenced by First Lady Ellen. Um, says, okay, well, I'll just go tell the press what's going on. And Bob realizes he's fucked. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. nothing's going to happen. This is an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. He realizes his foolproof plan was not foolproof at all. <laughs> we could have told him this a long time ago. He underestimated the average Joe. Well, yeah. And it's like, what do you, what do he think? There's, once more, I don't buy it. You, to get somebody in the White House, I mean, you have to vet them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, an ex and it's not like they don't have the resources. But somehow he just rolled the dice and decided to bring in this guy that he knows. For all he knows, Kevin Klein killed his wife. He didn't get divorced. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really run a background check on him. Or <laughs> no, anything. no, no. They're just like, yeah, just come on in. So Dave goes out as President Bill Mitchell to address the press in his final speech as president, and he basically announces that he has this plan for new jobs, and that every American that wants a job is going to get one. 
And it's basically just his previous profession bleeding through here about the joy he got of staffing some people for temporary positions. It's so cynical, though, when he's like, I'm going to get a job for every American that wants one. And then they show Kevin Dunn and he rolls his eyes and then the press just goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as he's exiting, remember there's that, like, that one old, like, really old lady. Oh, the old reporter. reporter. They're just like, thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was like the, the spokesperson for all the seniors in the audience. Like I told you, she, because I'm sure everybody, while they were watching this movie in the theater, this is where they like swelled with pride. And were like, that's what America is about. Uh, it's get, also remarkably similar. It's actually exactly the same as uh, Kevin Spacey's uh, plan in uh, the third season of House of Cards. You haven't really? seen it, right? No. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's finally present. Spoiler alert. You know about this because they, they released those episodes like last year, I think. But yeah, uh, his plan as a president, because he knows that he's he's basically, there's no way that he's getting reelected. And so he decides to go out with a bang and he, the whole season, he has this pet project, which is the, I think it's called America Works. And it's just him getting everybody a job. You, you sign up for America Works and, and you'll find a job. They'll get you a job somewhere. And, and of course, that makes him very beloved by, <laughs> by the, the, the public, but very hated by uh, all the politicians around him. And that's actually what happens right in the movie. It, yeah, right we, now we, we get go another to a montage. montage. Yeah, of like everyone talking about how stupid President Bill Mitchell is, and we get some awful joke from Jay Leno, and uh, yeah, all these other senators and congressmen saying, "Where's this? Where's the money going to be from this?" But that, we do get an amazing cameo by Oliver Stone. Yes, mm. yeah, I think they sacrifice their budget. Uh, they're like, okay, we only get one talk show host because there's like two separate montages where montages where you see Jay Leno. That's right, <laughs> they use Jay more than once. <laughs> you never see Conan or David Letterman or whoever else was doing late night at, in the nineties. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you'll enlighten me. No, Dave and Leno have it covered. Conan didn't really come along till I don't. I think it was like ninety five, ninety six that Conan came along. Are you telling me early nineties there was only Jay and Dave as as your options for late night? I don't know. I was a child. <laughs> well, you seem to know what Arnold Schwarzenegger was up to, so I assume well, that's that you different. Do... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Oliver Stone cameo we get is him on um, Larry King Live doing an amazing like JFK thing where he says, "If you compare pictures of." <laughs> President Bill Mitchell before and after the stroke, and it, it's it tapers off in the background, but you hear him like, "Aren't you being a bit paranoid?" Yeah, and of course, it's just like, "Come on, this is what you know what kind of movie you're dealing with," because you're actually telling me that Oliver Stone knows what he's talking about. <laughs> it's just that's a very dangerous position to to put yourself in. So the next morning, and so it's the next morning, and the vice president is back, Pre Vice President Nance, who is played by. Ben Kingsley. Drumroll, Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. He stands up, and it's like, yeah, it's so silly because it's shot like a big reveal because he stands up and you see his back, and then he turns around, but it's like, yeah, he was fucking introduced in the opening credits. We saw his name. It's not like there was a lot of really cool stuff happening in the opening to where, like, oh, you were not really paying attention to the credits. I think yeah. it's just shots of the White House or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was not a surprise at all. Uh, it wasn't. I wasn't even surprised that he wasn't using his British accent. You know, he's just he comes in and uh, he's playing. He's almost like the use shadow. British accent. Huh? You, got, you can't use your British accent. You got to be born in America to be president. Maybe. Right, but that's what I mean. Oh, I wasn't yeah. even surprised about that. Oh, you weren't even surprised. <laughs> right. Yeah, I really wanted to shock me. It should have been Ben Kingsley with a British accent. You're like, what's going on here? But, <laughs> Is this a dystopian future? <laughs> right. Uh, but no, there's a. Uh, uh, 
his character is is just so they even call him a boy scout he's mm-hmm. such a goody two shoes he he's obviously even more of a good guy than dave because yeah. dave got him implicated to some shady shit anyway by yeah. going along with this thing but but kingsley's kingsley's character he's the the opposite of franklin jealous he's the completely uh honest transparent man and uh and Dave, I remember they mentioned that they they got him basically implicated into something. They they've uh... so Langella, the scam scandal that he wanted to get Vice President Nance tied up into, he got him tied up. It was a savings and loan laundering and illegal campaign money that type of thing. And he also at this point has linked uh, Bill Mitchell to it directly because you know he's pissed off that he got him fired. But uh, Kingsley, Vice President Nance, had nothing to do with it, and Dave knows this. And Dave talks to Kevin Dunn and is like, I, I, I did this because he's assumed the role of president at this point. And he's like, no, Bill Mitchell did this. So um, the former President Mitchell is guilty of it. But at this point, Dave realizes that he will sacrifice himself. He just wants to prove that Vice President Nance is innocent. Yeah, a more interesting movie by now would have – if this had been a more interesting movie – at this point, I would be like, oh, wow, what is he going to do? How is he going to get out of this? Because I would expect some sort of more shady maneuvering this time on, on Dave's part, where he really has to compromise his principles and whatever. But but no, the movie gives him an easy way out because Ben, ben Kingsley is such a good guy that, well, of course, Dave can sacrifice himself knowing full well that the country is going to be in good hands. Yeah. You know, can you imagine if sacrificing himself meant that somebody else that was not trustworthy would take over as president? Then that's the movie I want to see. That would be interesting. <laughs> but no, this or is somehow just, just like Ving Rhames gets the country. Yeah. At least give it to someone else that has, I mean, cause clearly anybody can be president. So. <laughs> this movie proves one thing. So we go to what is basically a congressional hearing where Dave comes out and brings everything to light. Um, this is interwoven with shots of uh, Bob Alexander with his campaign. You know, he's going to run for president now, and he's with all his buddies, and Ben Stein has some random-ass cameo. Another in the line of gazillion C-listers coming in this movie. <laughs> but he goes up and he says, you know... That sounds I- so horrible. I, I love Ben Stein. <laughs> it, just, it just sounded funny to call him that, but then once it came out of my mouth, I was just like, oh, that's nasty. That's not... No, you shouldn't say that. Uh, another, by the way, we completely blew past her five-second cameo, but Bonnie Hunt is in this. Uh, One of the funnier parts of the movie, too. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because this is right before Langella gets fired, and he's yeah. walking... He's He's storming his way through the White House to get to Dave's office, and it looks like he has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the way the way that he's walking, that it's like he's, he's like really, sweating too. Yeah, he's sweating. He's taking really short steps, but going really fast. And yeah, he he blows past Bonnie Hunt, who's uh, guiding a tour of the of the White House, mm-hmm. and she's great. That's that's how you know she's talented, and she's too good for this movie <laughs> because <laughs> she has two of the biggest laughs in the movie, and she's there only for five seconds. So Dave brings everything to light. He says, President Bill Mitchell, I myself was, you know, took part in these illegal activities, but so did Bob Alexander. But Vice President Nance here, he he did not, and he's a good man, and yada, yada, yada. And then he fakes a stroke and passes out on stage, and they rush him off to the ER. And they take him into the hospital, only to find out that he's in the front seat with Ving Rhames. And, right. So yeah. he did, which was part of the plan, the original plan of uh, Langella. Because remember, at some point, they were going to fake... Kevin Klein, Dave, 
having another having a yeah. stroke, and the way that's when we're gonna do the switcheroo again. They were gonna finally take the the almost corpse of a uh, <laughs> prison Mitchell out of hiding, and they were gonna do the switch then. Uh, what a morbid plot for like a feel good comedy. It's extremely morbid, and and they don't really acknowledge it. You know, the closest they come to to telling you, hey, this is fucked up, is when uh, when Sigourney Weaver finds out about it. Yeah, and she goes up and sees the body of her husband lying there and and that is really dark but then the movie quickly shies away from it because she needs to get her interested in kevin klein <laughs> so he fakes the stroke and they do take the real president's corpse into the hospital and kevin klein and then the they let seat. him die yeah because the news is saying well he had another stroke and this time is really bad and then it's I guess, the big one it's elizabeth the, <laughs> yeah it's the big one and a few days later the president has passed away <laughs> and yeah they this really horrible things going on and they just pass it off as an emotional moment for Kevin Klein saying goodbye to Ving Rhames. <laughs> <Yeah. like, laughs> You're like, still alive, Kevin Klein. Yeah. You're walking away with a lot of money, I'm assuming. And and Ving Rhames, uh, just going back to a conversation they had earlier in the movie, he just tells him, I would take a bullet for you, sir. <laughs> and uh, First Lady Ellen gets there just a bit too late as uh, Kevin Klein, Dave's already walked away from the scene. She does see his silhouette, though, by the moonlight and just kind of smiles and nods. It's just mythical. The every man <laughs> came to Washington, conquered the White House, and now he's walking away, having left a worthy successor. <laughs> it's just so corny, <laughs> so over-the-top, feel-good bullshit it, it was yeah I, I i couldn't i couldn't take it it was so bad then we get the closing montage where we find out that uh bill mitchell has died uh vice president nance gets sworn in to take over and he, the first thing he does is passes the job for every american bill that dave had presented yeah and it's it's kind of like i will not get tired of saying this but i wouldn't buy it i don't buy it there's he just the, the, before he died before he had the stroke or the stroke in quotation marks uh fake president mitchell dave he admitted to to laundering money and all this stuff so the last thing the new president the former vice president wants to do is associate himself you know with with the previous president who was a criminal and his ideas and yet when he's accepting the the when he's you know doing the oath and everything he's like well this is not really my government this is this is president mitchell's legacy and whatever no you wouldn't say that he's a criminal i i don't care that that he shook your hand right after he gave the speech he's still a criminal but I love how they try to make it like Dave is Batman at the end of Dark Knight Rises, where it's like these people will never know what you did for them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's I think that's something you you can learn from movies like this one and the American President and all the terrible political movies is that a good speech will take you along. It'll take you all the way <laughs> with with America. America will forgive anything if you give him a good speech, and I think that that may be true in uh, in real life, but that's only because movies like this one perpetuate that idea into the audience and then we go back to i guess what is real life and uh dave kovic is running for uh looks like city council in his town there uh looks like a suburb of washington dc is where he lived at and he's running for city council in his office he still does temp staffing but uh, it's his campaign headquarters and he's got all his friends there and some familiar characters from the film and uh lo and behold ellen mitchell shows up at the office you know looking rather ratty she's got like a cabbie hat on and she's wearing robert de niro's coat from taxi driver first lady no more <laughs> no and they basically just look at each other and they start making out and you start like really like how like 
horribly they wrote her character. It's like she'll just go to any guy that looks exactly the same. It's it's so bad. This is whatever shreds of logic this movie had, it just completely blasts them out of existence in this in this epilogue. Because once more, are you telling me this guy who looks just like the president, who just impersonated the president for a good length of time, he's gonna risk becoming a popular a public figure again, not just like it's not like he goes on to be a singer or something. He runs for office. He's gonna get back into politics. Are you telling me that nobody's gonna like put it together? Hey, that guy just looks just like the president, and he's dating the old like the you know Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, who used to be married to that president. What's going on? And his his head of security is the old Secret <laughs> Service agent for the Big president. Raymond's is still is still taking bullets for him. It just doesn't make any sense. There is no way that that would happen. And especially here's the other thing. For how stupid Frank Langella's plan was, because I understand how he didn't realize that Kevin Klein was going to bring him down with him. Yeah. You know, like, Langella implicates Mitchell, which means implicating Dave. So when Dave basically falls on his sword and says, yes, I did this. I, I laundered the money, but Ben Kingsley had nothing to do with it. And then he's like, but also Frank Langella also did it. Well, what exactly did Langella expect him to do? Of course he's going to do that. I understand why he was like throwing a party in his apartment. I would have been really scared. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been like, oh, God, he's about to spill the beans, which is what he does. But then on the other side, it's like, okay, well, now what does Langella have to lose? He's already going to prison. So why wouldn't he just bring everybody else even further down and expose Dave and uh, and Kevin Dunn (laughs) and everybody else that was part of the conspiracy of replacing the president? Especially, maybe he wouldn't do it. Because then there wouldn't have been a happy ending. Until he sees Dave running for office. Yeah, no, but there's no way that this happened. There's no happy ending. I don't buy it. It would have been awesome if they were hauling uh, Langella off to jail and, like, he's in his cell and they put the newspaper in his cell and it's got, like, Dave winning city council on the front page. (laughs) Dave! So yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's really sad. On top of all that, yeah, Sigourney uh, Sigourney Weaver's, like, happy ending is that she gets to her husband with- died so now she just gets the next one that looks like him. yes the, the improved version the version that wasn't corrupt with power yet yeah thus concludes dave it was interesting it was uh i, I I'm, I'm angrier now that we've talked about it even angrier than when i finished watching it it's just i don't understand why why filmmakers don't think that the american public can't take a nuanced take on on politics and on the White House and all the stuff, you know, you don't have to make the hero of your political story this Boy Scout that yeah. that can do no wrong and that that plays with dogs and and, and is nice with kids. Give me somebody that's complex. Give me give me a president that hates kids, but it's a good president. Yeah, you know, this is a movie you want to watch, and you can make it funny still. You just don't have to like dumb it down to this level where you just have to pile coincidence against coincidence just to to get to a happy ending, no matter what. It's uh, it's very disappointing from a director that has certainly done much better, and from a cast that has done much better. It's it's a great cast, just wasted in this movie. Are you ready for some real talk? I'm ready for some real talk. <laughs> I like this movie. Close your eyes to you. 
So Dave was released on May 7th, 1993. Uh, as I told you when we were recording this, during my research today for this, I could not find the budget for the film anywhere. I couldn't find it. Usually, you know, Wikipedia is a good go-to, but Box Office Mojo didn't have it. I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I did find that it had a box office return of $63,270,710. So. But without the budget, there's really no there's way no, of knowing. Yeah, so, you can't break it down. What if What if this was just this big movie? It was just a favor to Ivan Reitman. <laughs> what if, you know, he'd worked with most of these people before in, in successful movies, and he's like, guys, I have this, this dream of a president that is uncompromised <laughs> by anything. Help me make this dream come true. And everybody just... Kind of work for free for for food and uh, and uh, uh, you know he just paid for the rides. Or maybe it was a, a tax cheat, like the movie like was made as like a write off. It's all a write off, and, and the only condition was please don't post the budget. I, I could see that happening. It was directed by Ivan Reitman, of course, of Junior, Six Days, Seven Nights, My Super Ex Girlfriend, and Draft Day fame. Wow, he's just uh, <laughs> you're hitting the lows there. <laughs> Written by Gary Ross of Big and Pleasantville fame. Uh, I can never begin to express how much I mo- love the movie Pleasantville. I think that movie is like an absolute masterpiece, and Gary Ross is a great human being for making it. Uh, Gary Ross was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for this. Um, I guess we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> uh, Kevin Klein was nominated for a Golden Globe, which... Uh, in the immortal words of Cam on Modern Family, you win an Oscar, you buy a Golden Globe. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie was heavily endorsed by then-President Bill Clinton, Slick Willie. He... Well, of course it would be. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, sent, he read, the, I guess uh, Gary Ross had sent him a script of it just to like read over at his leisure. And Bill Clinton like autographed it and wrote like a note of like encouragement and sent it back to him. Okay, so this, I have to ask, did this happened before or after the Monica Lewinsky thing. Man, when did you move to America? <laughs> I mean, I know it happened. Just be proud of me because I know that. The Monica Lewinsky thing was like 98, 99. Okay, so you could say that this movie gave him the idea. <laughs> I guess. It, it opens. One of the first things that you see is is the president having sex with the with an underling. Laura Lenny was attractive, though. Monica Lewinsky was not. I think Did, Bill just had to use with what he had. Taste is is just uh, in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, most people love this movie. So much so that I was only able to pull three quotes that are negative. I'm sure there were more, but uh, for some reason they were not loading. Uh, we'll start with Terrence Rafferty from The New Yorker, who says, After the promisingly nasty beginning, the filmmakers settle into a sort of campaign mode lulling and flattering the audience with a fairy tale vision of the common man's victory over the Washington establishment. Uh, Leah Rosen from People Magazine says, As Klein begins to take his presidential duties seriously, the comedy seeps out. A listless civic-mindedness drifts in like fog off the Potomac. Or Potomac. Uh, and finally, Ken Hankey from Mountain Express. Man, we've he, had Ken Hankey on the show several times. We have? Yeah. Man, he, he has a way with words. He he, he just goes straight to the point. <laughs> Errant nonsense mixed with goo. <laughs> <laughs> Do we always have him as like the negative on, on like... Oh, I know we've had him before because that's a very memorable name. I wonder if he's like a contrarian at heart. <laughs> Every time that we have like a, a, a movie with a high score, he's just always putting in the... The hate. 
But yeah, Dave is rated at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. You and I is both first time watching this. It I don't necessarily know if it ages so well. I found a lot of it charming. I thought Kevin Klein was really good. Uh, I did read that Kevin Klein got the role after Warren Beatty and then Kevin Costner turned it down. Oh, that's yeah, I'm glad he did. Yeah. I I can't I mean, I guess they could have made it work, but Kevin I've never Klein. thought of Kevin Costner as a comedic actor. <laughs> yeah, and Warren Beatty. I'm sorry, I've I've seen him play. Was it the president, or maybe it was just like a mayor or something? There's this movie called Bullworth, mm. and he is fucking terrible. Like this is just not me like being a contrarian. This is because I think that this is fairly well regarded. That could be wrong. I don't know, but he's. It was. I think he's written and directed by him, and mm-hmm. he plays like this guy. It's a politician of some sort. And he gets a death threat, I think, early in the movie, and that kind of unhinges him. And then he goes and gets drunk and gets high. And then the movie follows him as he's like, just in this deluded kind of like stoned state, as in and mixes him with like the commoners and whatever. It's so fucking painful to watch. I I'm completely derailing our discussion of Dave, but that's because <laughs> fucking Warren Beatty as Dave, I I wouldn't buy it, and it would just because I've seen him. And I haven't. I actually didn't even finish watching the movie. That's how bad it was. I, wow. I fast forward to the end. I, I had recorded it uh, on the DVR because oh, it's like this is a movie that everybody knows about Warren Beatty, but no, he's he's terrible. He's so over the top when he's trying to be funny. I just wanted to say, okay, dude, let's just stick to comedy because really, if there's one thing that he shouldn't play and definitely not play again is a politician that's trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Although for all I know, maybe this uh, Dave came uh, before that and, and Bullworth was just him trying to make up for the fact that he missed out on the on Dave boat. Yeah, I do think Bullworth came out after this. Well, you know, we've firmly established I have no idea <laughs> as far as like time, <laughs> what happened first and after. Uh, yeah, it's... Um... I don't know. I guess I don't really know what I was expecting. Like I knew we were going to watch this going into uh, this little political arc that we're doing. Um, I, I've always liked Kevin Klein. It's a fun movie. It's like if you take any moment to think about it at all, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it's one of those <laughs> movies that I can completely understand why it's like loved by some because it's very easy to digest and it's very simple. It's it's a crowd pleaser, which yeah. is to be fair, it's what I was expecting. Uh, it's, it's got some morbid things for a crowd pleaser. Yes, that that whole thing with with almost dead Kevin Klein in a bunker yeah. being kept alive because it's not even like they're trying to go with dark comedy there and they're trying to mine that for laugh for laughs. It's just more like they just ignore it, and and that's weird. <laughs> it was like that's all Gary Ross could do to get from A to B. It's like all right, so this guy has to be in a coma. And we'll keep him in a bunker underground, but then everything else will be funny. Yeah, just don't don't mention it. But then at some point they kind of had to. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. I I guess this is kind of what I expected. I've I mean I love Kevin Klein, but that doesn't mean that every movie he's in is a winner. So I was happy to see that this was good. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean everybody involved is talented, so I was expecting it to be at least watchable, and it was more than that. I laughed more than a few times. I think the problem is that especially if you're someone like me, that's just so disillusioned with politics it makes it harder to to buy like the the fairy tale take on it yeah you know where like everybody's either really bad or everybody's really good usually in politics everybody's compromised one way or another mm-hmm. uh so you have to be like super awesome for me to buy it like i love the american president i mean we already established that <laughs> a couple episodes ago but that movie has like a little more going for it it still has like a little you know some of that like black and white uh, morality, yeah. but there's like there's awesome writing. This is well written. I love Gary Ross too, but it's not quite on that level. I think that it's just more like 
isn't he cute? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it comes to Dave and, and and everybody else, it was still like really enjoyable. And I think that there is something that attracts a good cast when you get a project like this. Maybe there's something about political movies, maybe because I, I don't know if like everybody leans the same way as Gary Ross and uh, uh, Ivan Reitman, but you know they got like a whole bunch of like really good actors to come in and just play along, even when it was like small parts. Yeah, it's it's entertaining. Um, yeah, th- there's just a certain sense of disconnect with the story. But yeah, Kevin Klein, like we said, is very, very charming. Sigourney Weaver does the best she can. Her character is kind of oddly written. I wasn't kidding before. She's very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself. At you just points. can't get over it. <laughs> no, I was just like, man, she's hot. Um, yeah. Um, Langella is like turned up to 11 in terms of comically like overacting <laughs> 90s bad guys. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, I guess it was a simpler time, except that I don't think so. I think politics have always been fucked up, you know? Uh, and maybe if you release a movie like this now, it would still do well because there is, there is, there are people that just want to watch a simple movie about politics. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, I might be one of them if it's like if it reaches a certain level of craft, I might be perfectly happy with it too. This uh, is such a like perfect trope for a movie too. Like, what? A guy that looks like the president is the president? That's crazy. There is so much that you have to explain when you once you start going down that rabbit hole, I think that you just have to like step on the gas and hit like warp speed <laughs> so that you don't really get distracted by all all the wait what 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 about this and what about this no you just keep plowing on because really most of the plot holes that we pointed out in the first section they do apply they, yeah. they're there it's just that you know when you're having fun you don't really think about it and kevin klein is great he's he's one of the reasons why you can just buy everything because he is so much fun to watch he's really good at physical comedy there's so many uh, moments. I don't know if you caught it. It's like when I think the first time that he's sitting down with the cabinet and he starts addressing someone and he's looking to the right and then the person starts talking on the left and he's like, oh yeah, you're on the left. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just so good the way that he makes that turn and that's just like, you know, a tiny example of just... that. Uh, he also has a line where when they're making him call his employer to like make the lie he goes, do I have to hit nine first? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way he said it is really good. How about how about uh, uh, Kevin Dunn as uh, as not Ben, but possibly Ben? I would like to think this is Ben's previous, because like, you know Ben spent a lot of time. In He's politics. got his just for men beard and hair, that's for sure. But yeah, that was before politics just like completely destroyed him. Uh, uh, for those of you that don't watch Veep, one you should watch Veep, and two. Uh, Kevin Dunn is part of the cast starting on season two, and he mm-hmm. plays this like really weathered, cynical. Uh, He's kind of like the right hand man to uh, 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 Julie Louis Dreyfus's character, Selena. Selena, and uh, so yeah, it's great. It would be awesome to think that he he's been in politics for so long that he was there when the big Dave Switcheroo happened, and he survived it. He still has a career. That's why he drinks so much coffee. Right, decades later, he's still he's seen it all. That's why he's so hard to intimidate in in the show. Where where does this fall on the again? Let's talk to you, Calendar Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does this fall on Ivan Reitman's uh, filmography? Do you see like what do you do before and what do you do after? This is, it has to be before Pleasantville. Right? Ivan Reitman didn't do Pleasantville. Gary oh Ross no, did. Gary Ross. Okay, so this is before what Evolution? Yeah, because Evolution is late nineties, right? Evolution is early two thousands. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't know I. I just caught, I made a point to write down all the bad movies he did when I was doing this. So, um, 
It would have been probably a year or so removed from Kindergarten Cop. Probably would have been around that time. It's not an improvement, unless you like Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I did dig the Arnold cameo, though. I found the Arnold cameo to be just just right. Well, but between him and uh, Oliver Stone, Ben Stein, Bonnie Hunt. Jay Leno. Jay Leno, twice. That's uh, Yeah, he was calling all the favors. He was. Um, what I was going to say was... The Ben Kingsley reveal is played for to the tilt, like it's supposed to be a huge deal, but it's just so like anticlimactic. Unless they were keeping him away from the trailers, which I guess it could have happened because all things considered, he has maybe three scenes in the movie. And this would have been after Gandhi, after he won the Oscars, so like this would have been a get at the time. Yeah, but I I do he wonder has maybe since gone on to make the Love Guru. <laughs> uh, Thunderbirds, I think that's what it's called. The, the movie based on like an old cartoon or something. He's the bad guy. Really? Thunderbirds or Thundercats? Go- no, Thunderbirds. I know what Thundercats are. Right, <laughs> There's no know. live action movie. I was gonna say. I, I hope that didn't come out and I missed it. <laughs> no. Chris Hemsworth is Lionel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just put Ving Rhames as uh, Pantro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ving Rhames in this too. It's just like happenstance black guy says some things every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. That's is he the only black guy in the movie? He's the only black guy with lines. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So the lady from the shelter, I mean, she only has maybe, she has barely more screen time than Bonnie Hunt, if that. But she is, she was in the Michael Douglas's staff in American President. Did you, did you actually, after I say, after I said it, did you manage to catch a glimpse of Yeah. Because by then it was like only the back of her head. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you were a liar. No, no, it's true. Just like uh, freeze frame it and go frame by frame. You'll see her. Uh, that was Pretty impressive. Again, talented people everywhere. <laughs> but no, what I was going to say is, for all all the fun we were making of it, I, I think that I don't know how many people actually pay attention to the opening credits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that maybe a lot of people, they're actually interested in whatever was going on. And that's when they're still, like, settling in and, like, eating their popcorn and opening their candy. And so nobody... There's a good I just chance you could have it... missed the 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 Ben the, the Ben Gandhi the Ben Kingsley uh, name of the credits. But then... he got the end credit. It's not like they just snuck him in there. But yeah, it's I can just imagine that though. Like even so, being at the time, like um, for me, Matt Damon Interstellar was because I had no clue that he was in that. Cause right. Christopher Nolan did a really good job of covering that up. I just imagine like so many seniors in the theater, like oh, it's Gandhi, <laughs> and he's of course like a great guy. Yeah, he's like you know raising the flag. You know, I was just waiting for a, a side swipe of the USA flag to come across. <laughs> it's, he's easily the nicest guy in the movie. He's literally like he's introduced within the last five minutes of the film, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he has like two big scenes like his when you first meet him and then later when he he has like he's a president well no there's like he has this, this little talk with kevin klein that's right that's where right. he tells him his origin story that he used to be a, a shoe salesman <laughs> he, used to be a shoe he was salesman. bitten by a radioactive spider <laughs> a radioactive politician <laughs> bit him and uh, he decided to run for office which i guess sets up the the epilogue where kevin klein is running for office on his own yeah i could have done without that that was the only part of the movie that it kind of it's like it really is a better movie if you just end with him walking away. Yeah, you know Sigourney Weaver sees him disappearing in the distance and smiles and nods, mm-hmm. and he has his briefcase, and then it fades away, and you're like, "Was this real? Was it a dream?" Because then, an like, angel, yeah. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, because the that ending, there's so many ways you can interpret the film, but the way it ended, it kind of made it just seem like a hokey comedy of the time. And like... well, yeah, and really, by then, because everything is just slowing down, you're coming to the end, it, it just opens such a can of worms plot-wise. Mm-hmm. And I understand if you're just like with the movie, and I was, you, you can like shrug it off, but then... The problem is that later on, when you're talking to your friends about it, like, <laughs> that ending did not Aren't make sense. Gonna, like connect the dots, just like you were saying. It's like that guy looks like the president now. He's boning the old former first lady. Like, this is, can you? I mean, Oliver Stone would go bananas with that. He'd just like make another movie. He would just go. He would seize on that. It was like, remember how you all thought that was crazy? No, this is happening. <laughs> Look, he's dating Sigourney Weaver. Bing Rames is like protecting him. He's his bodyguard. Yeah, all joking aside, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives in this one, and I think it it pretty much all comes down to Kevin Klein and his performance and how solid it is. And it is a, it is a delightful movie in the sense that this is a movie that I could see myself just watching with my mom without yeah. feeling at any point uncomfortable. There's a lot of movies that I love that I'm like I wouldn't watch this with my mom because it'd be like weird. Yeah, it, it would be just a little too much. But this is just like you can watch it with the whole family, and it's just it feels good. And it, it stands for, like, good stuff. This is even, like, less politically thorny than the American president. It doesn't even yeah. get into, like, gun legislation or anything. Oh, yeah. There's no actual politics really discussed. No, like, the closest they get to any sort of, like, politics is, like, hey, should we fund this shelter? <laughs> and I think we can, all, we can all agree that homeless kids are a bad thing. So so there's really no no political debate there. Everybody Everybody's on the same side. In there. Ivan Reitman didn't really take a side. No, he's just, like... I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> Do you want these kids to be homeless forever? I didn't think so. And then, you know, you have Kevin Klein on your side who's just basically a, a, a great weapon to have when you're trying to just be likable. And yeah. Then, yeah there, there's nothing to it. Dissuade people in your way. Yeah, um, yeah overall, I, I enjoyed it. I found a lot of it to be pretty comical. I think uh, Sigourney Weaver and um, Kevin Klein both have – really good chemistry together in this and both of their timings really entertaining too. I, like I said, I didn't really care for the scene where they sing the song together, the thing tomorrow. Cause it just seems kind of disjointed. That, that was kind of awkward. And my main problem was again, plot wise, maybe that is just my problem in general, but that's uh, to me, that was once again, the movie spoiling, uh, spotlighting a problem that, that it really wasn't equipped to, to handle, mm-hmm. which was like, what happens when like normal people notice the resemblance, you know, because right now when he's driving her, he's not the president, but he still looks like the president. Yeah. It's, it's like, you can't have it both ways. Either he looks enough like the president that everybody buys it, or he doesn't look enough like the president to where like, you know, it's nobody gives him a second look, but you can't have it both ways. So the movie actually devotes a whole scene to that. Yeah. And, and, that that doesn't work, you know. That should have been the moment where everything falls apart. Yes, <laughs> like they should have looked at his idea and been like, "Dave Kovic, <laughs> who the fuck?" Yeah, um, ninety four percent is pretty intense, and it goes to that whole thing that we always talk about, our whole mission statement here about how that Rotten Tomatoes it, it's not a universal scale, and you can't use it as such because it's not like a ninety four percent like The Departed's a ninety four percent. Right. It's it's not it's not that great of a movie as far as i mean it, it's good at what it does it's but it's not ambitious process. yeah i don't think that Rotten tomatoes rewards ambition uh it just rewards popularity and of course this movie is a crowd pleaser so it will be popular 94 percent yeah. somebody that hates this movie i just i mean they're just angry at life i would imagine <laughs> or they hate kevin klein i can see kevin klein 
most people love him, but some people have to hate him. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he's just like, oh, well, he's just too out there. I like him. No, I do too. I was telling you, um, Orange County, which you've never seen. Like, I really like that movie, but my favorite part of it is this cameo scene he has. And he only has one scene in the movie, and it's fantastic. Uh, have you seen, I think it's called In and Out, where he plays a teacher that gets outed. Uh, it's based on when uh, when Tom Hanks won the Oscar for uh, Philadelphia. Oh, and he outed that guy. He outed his teacher, right? Yeah. So then they made a movie about it. <laughs> it's directed by Frank Oz. And Matt Damon plays the no Matt Damon Matt Dillon plays the actor that outs Kevin Klein in his Oscar speech, and so then Kevin Klein has to go like I'm not gay like it's, I guess he's not gay but he really is gay he's just in denial. Uh-huh. He's uh, engaged to uh, John Cusack's sister Joan Cusack. <laughs> how say, could I not remember? How could that? you forget that name? <laughs> and uh, he, they're about to get married, and this whole thing happens, and then throughout the movie he realizes that he's actually gay. And uh, Joan Cusack ends up hooking up with Matt Dillon, I think. He comes back to the small town to pay. Yeah. It, it's not a good movie. I didn't think so. But but it's it's one of those things where you're like, wow, the only thing this movie has going for it is Kevin Klein completely giving himself into the movie. Because he's, like I said, he's, a, he's really good at physical comedy. And there's a lot of physical comedy in, in there. You know, when he's, there's this very popular sequence at the time that it came out where he is, trying to prove to himself that he's not gay so he's standing in his living room and he starts playing this exercise tape or he's like a dance tape or something and he's trying to resist the urge to dance but slowly like his hand starts like moving and then his leg <laughs> and then then he just goes into a full blown out dance and it's really funny unlike most of the movie <laughs> but anyway the point is Kevin Klein is awesome he is and, uh, and yeah I, I think that he could easily make a movie get it to 94% if all the other elements are right which in this case they were but how what would you give it what would be your score yeah as far as it goes for what it's trying to be it's a it's a B B plus like you know yeah I think solid three and a half star for me I think that it really if the movie wanted to wow me it would have given me uh, uh a lot less plot Any, holes. like, consequence for the actions? Right. Or, or, like, a harder political stance. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I'm just, you know, maybe I just want more of, like, my political <laughs> <laughs> comedies. I I just want them to, like... It's like you don't owe anything to anybody except, I guess, the investors in your movie. But, but you could just do whatever you want. It's not like you're really running the country. So <laughs> uh, it's something a little more risky. I don't know. It feels like I'm being unfair when I when I look at it under those standards but i don't know it's yeah three and a half it was fun i had fun but it's not like i would be making people watch it yeah you know unless we're just like hey what do we want to watch and just talk a bunch of us and there's like one thing that will unify us and that is yeah. our love for claiming klein then, <laughs> then yeah we can do that yeah there's nothing overtly wrong with it there's some plot holes that exist in it but none more so than any other 90s movie like that so i would recommend like watching taking checking a few clips out just to see what these people looked like when they were young because mm-hmm. it's amazing it's 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 more entertaining than it should be, probably, to, to watch Ving Rhames with hair yeah. and uh, Kevin Dunn with, with a beard and Frank Langella being comical because I've only seen him in, in, in dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I've, uh, there's a lot of like cool stuff to see there. That just, uh, and, you know, Ben Stein's always looked the same, apparently. Yeah. And have you ever seen Ben Kingsley with hair? Because he's bald Love in this Guru. one, too. 
Huh? Love Guru. Okay, but real hair, not like <laughs> not uh, like a wig. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I wonder so. how long he's been bald because he's he's bald in this one too. Well, that's Dave. That that concludes part three of our four part political arc. Our next uh, installment, we'll we'll take another trip back to the White House where we go back to I believe 2005. I, don't ask me about years at this point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> clearly it's been established. I'm, I am not to be trusted when it comes to dates and and timelines. We're gonna vi- visit the Robin Williams Christopher Walken classic political thriller Man of the year i did not know that christopher walken was in it oh you are in for a treat my friend uh i I am looking forward to that i haven't seen it and i guess you have Mm -hmm. so that's that's good that's good to hear uh that'll be our big uh, political finale yeah i i know that i'm ready to uh to let go of american politics (laughs) but i'm sure it's good for my health as far as plugs go, at the beginning of the episode, you, you heard all the places to catch us, but uh, we do want to give a shout-out to the Festive Years for supplying our uh, beginning and ending music. They're on iTunes. Be sure to check them out. That's the Festive Years. Julio, do you have anything to plug this week? I do. Hang on. Let me remember <laughs> what it was called. Okay, so there's this movie. It's a documentary. It's called Only the Young, and I just watched it uh, last week. I... I met the filmmaker that did it at the Austin Film Festival, and it's great. And I can't explain to you why it's great. I'm still kind of sorting through it myself. I, I watched it. I watched it in the morning, and then I saw her at night at a party, and I told her, "Hey, I liked your movie. I just don't know why yet, but but I liked it." And she said, "As long as you liked it, I think that's okay." It's uh, it's a documentary following the following the lives of like these three teenagers and. Uh, Two of them are like skateboarders. One of them is more like a serious skateboarder, and I guess the other one kind of. But they're they're like best friends, and uh, and the other one is like a girl that's kind of like dating one of them, and then at some point they break up, and but she's still hanging out with them. And there's no real. I think what threw me off is there's no like overarching plot. Like there's no no like actually more like there's no little plot. There's no overarching plot, which is like, mm-hmm. hey, watch these kids' lives, you know, on the year before the graduation or something, you know, and. Uh, but then after that, it's just kind of like seeing them hang out as like little things happen to them. You know, they go to like this, they go to this uh, skateboarding competition, you know, and then one of them graduates and one of them uh, decides that he has to move. And then this couple breaks up. It's little things, but there's no big like movie plot. And I think maybe that's that's probably what confused me because I'm used to movies with plot and it gets it's harder once you start stepping away from the plot and just it becomes more abstract it's harder to judge it you just know that you're having a good time but you can just say oh I'm having a good time because of this reveal and because of how clever this was or whatever it's more like oh I'm having a good time because this is life and it's very relatable Yeah. and we've all been teenagers and even if I never lived in like a, a little town like these kids are and I never I've never friends with a skateboarder or whatever you know, I had a best friend, and I had a first girlfriend, and I had misunderstandings with them, and I had like I have moments where our friendship rekindled, and it was just overall. I think that's it. Like the feeling of it was really cool, and it's short too. It's like an hour and ten minutes, so there is no excuse for you not to watch it and <laughs> and just tell me you're wrong. That movie sucked. <laughs> or, <laughs> that was actually what I'm thinking about. The Dave could have been about fifteen or twenty minutes shorter. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you could have like you could have. Because so much of the movie is selling Kevin Klein as this awesome guy, and yeah. he got it from like the first couple of scenes. Yeah. He didn't need it anymore. He's he's very charismatic like that. But, uh, but yeah, this movie is like I think I think it's just seventy minutes, and it's just really good. You can get it on iTunes. Uh, you can rent it or you can buy it. 
uh, much like we did with the other movie that I recommended a few episodes ago, I would say just go ahead and buy it because you can count on my word. <laughs> I'm telling you it's good, so just go ahead and do it. Uh, but yeah, I was I was really happy that I watched it, and uh, I'm definitely like I said, I'm still kind of like sorting it. I would like to be able to be more uh, uh, more specific about what I liked, mm-hmm. but I I'm not there yet. But it's still worth watching, certainly. Well, be sure to check that out. What was the name? Only the Young. Only the Young. Be sure to check that out. Uh, outside of that, I believe that's going to do it for the plugs. Uh, and I do believe that's going to do it for us this week on The Contrarians. Next time, we will have uh, Man of the Year starring Robin Williams. But in the meantime, we wish you all to take care. Uh, this has been The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will catch you next time. Fessor of 